Father, we come. We come so unworthy, Lord. Father, we come to you because you redeemed us. You sought us out. And, um, Lord, you, you died in place of us. You took a penalty. You paid a crime that was due us. Father, may we who gather this day be overwhelmed by that. And yet, Father, even as that is so overwhelming, Lord, I read these texts and what we have studied in these last few months and to find out that you have gifted us, you have enabled us, you have supernaturally empowered us for the work that you have set before us. And I... What an awesome God. Father, may we who have gathered understand the privilege to be in the body of Christ, the church. Father, may we understand that that is the manifestation of Christ to a lost and dying world. May we understand that the unity you've given in your church is the thing that reaches lost mankind for salvation. May we understand that. Father, may we also understand that we can't do this without these gifts. Father, thank you for your spirit and your people as he strengthens us for the task at his hand. And then, Father, through that, in, in that strengthening, through that power, we strengthen others for the task that is at hand. And Jesus Christ is manifested in the unity of your people in the body of Christ, your church, to your glory, to your praise. Amen. Beginning chapter 12, verse 1, 1 Corinthians. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of ministry and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all these things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, to another distinguishing of spirits, and to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretations of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as he wills. We started in this text because we are in a verse-by-verse -verse exposition of the book of Corinthians and we have stumbled in 12. And that's just where we're at. And I've gone through this over and over again. I'm going to kind of bring it back to a head because today will be my last message on spiritual gifts for a little while. I'm going to take a few weeks and deal with the person of the Holy Spirit because it's obvious in this text, the issue here is not the gifts. The issue is the Spirit. 
As I stepped into this text, I understand that that chapter 12, verse 1 says, I do not want you to be unaware of this. I don't want you to be unaware. It literally means I don't want you to be ignorant of spiritual gifts. And yet, I believe with absolute certainty that the church in America today is ignorant about spiritual gifts. And and ignorance may be putting it lightly. But I, I, I want you to understand this, to truly do justice to the spiritual gifts, there must be an understanding of the Holy Spirit, who He is, what is He doing. But you also have to understand spiritual gifts in the total context of the 16 chapters of the 1 Corinthians. But you better use chapter 12, 13, and 14 if you're going to try to teach spiritual gifts. Because it's all dealt with. There's no science to it. There's no, well, I'm not sure. But what is happening is, is today in our society, I had a guy who I was praying with as a pastor, and we were, for some reason we started talking about, oh, they were brought up Israel and Hezbollah. And uh, they brought up the second coming of Christ. And he says, well, you know, we Lutherans, or the Lutheran church teach this, and he went off and described it. And when he got done, he looked at me and he says, you look like you want to ask me a question. I said, I do. And he says, what's that? I says, what do you believe now that you've told me what the Lutherans believe? See, that's the issue. The issue isn't what do the Baptists say about spiritual gifts. The issue is not what do the experiential people say about spiritual gifts. The issue is what does the book of the Lord say about spiritual gifts? Okay, it's an interesting concept, don't you think? The Bible? Read it. I wonder what the Bible says about this. Well, that's irrelevant. I have experienced. I don't care what you've experienced. I've seen the Grateful Dead in Washington, D.C. That's an experience. God wasn't there. I know God's omnipresent. He wasn't in D.C. Because he just sat there and said, this is nuts. I can't believe these people. Okay, they're going to make me come down there, aren't they? All right. So anyway, these gifts. Here's the key to gifts. Key to gifts. They're for the strengthening of the saints, for the work of ministry, Ephesians 4. Okay? If you're using your gift for your own self-service, understand it's not God's. That's your gift. You're doing something. It's in the flesh. And I don't care what it is. And I'm not going to tell you if you, a man sits in a room and says, there's a pink elephant in the room. You're not going to convince him that there's not. And I ain't here to argue whether you'd had an experience or not. I know all kinds of people who had all kinds of experience. And I'll never say, well, let me tell you that what you experienced wasn't an experience. I ain't going to do that. But my question would be, is it God? Is it God? And you have an outline in your bulletins, and I've called it these gifts, and I broke it into three parts. Gifts of men, gifts that strengthen, and gifts that signal. We've looked at gifts of men, how God laid a foundation through the apostles and prophets. We're 2,000 years out from the foundation work, and now He's given us evangelists and pastor teachers. These are gifts. They are gifts to the church. They are something that God has said, the church needs these, and the church will use these. Why? Because I've already laid my foundation, and my foundation was laid by the apostles and the prophets. All right? There are many who run around and say, I'm an apostle or I'm a prophet. All right? problem is, is that why are you relaying the foundation? That's all I have to ask them. I'm thinking that 2,000 years out, we should be above the dirt. Uh, some ain't, but that's another story. All right? Then I moved into gifts that strengthen. 
And basically, you've got to understand this. The exercising, the enabling, and the power, and the working of the Holy Spirit is in the body of Christ. The gifts are in the individuals so that the gifts will strengthen other people. Okay? Your gift is for me. My gift is for you. If you look around, your gift is never for you. It is for everybody who is associated with you in the work of ministry. Understand the word ministry. Whenever you hear that word, it isn't this, I've been to Bible college and I am now a minister. No, the gift of ministry means I'm a servant. Diakonos is what we get from it. That's a deacon. It means I'm a table waiter. I'm a minister of Jesus Christ. I am a servant of Jesus Christ. I am a bond servant of Jesus Christ. That's what I want to be. And in doing that, I deal with every child of God. Okay? We need to pay um, attention because I see the church in a manifestation today that is shameful. Here's what I mean by shameful. Going to a church today, most people that I have talked to, when they go to a church, are going for what they can get. What do you have there for me? Now, I ain't sure, but I'm almost positive that my Bible says that God has already given me everything I need for life and godliness. So why would I go anywhere to get anything else? The reason that I go to church or an assembly of the saints is to what can I pour out? Sometimes it's just sitting and listening. Okay? I mean, sometimes... Do you know that your very presence encourages me? Did you know that? People don't understand that. And, and we have in our mindset that if I'm not teaching a Bible study or if I'm not preaching or if I'm not doing something that verbalizes my ignorance, then I'm not serving Jesus Christ. And I believe that I've already proven that in these gifts that strengthen. There's 11 gifts, and I call them the primary colors. Because in any of the, even if you are a pastor or a teacher, you're going to have a whole bunch of different gifts that make that happen. You don't want an elder in a church not to have the gift of leadership. You just don't want that. And he'd better have the gift of wisdom. And, you know, probably if you're going to have a little wisdom, knowledge is going to help because you need something for that wisdom to be based off of. Correct? And if he's going to be in a, in a leadership position, please, please, please pray that he has the gift of discernment. Because I see some in leadership that shouldn't be in leadership based on the fact they ain't got no discernment. Anything that comes down the pike is, yep, that's Jesus. All right? See, see what I'm trying to get at? So when, you, when I go through 11 gifts, everybody goes through the little checklist. Okay, I've got a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And, but that's not what it is. It says, as the Spirit desires. And he paints this awesome portrait of Jesus Christ. We've got to get a hold of this. It takes us to come together to manifest Christ, yes, I know he's in you and you manifest Christ. Yes, 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 yes. But you know what? You can have one Christian and will he ever be able to show the unity of Jesus Christ? No. Right? You bring them all together and the world goes, how can you have so many people from such diverse backgrounds, different ages, different cultures, and bring them all together 
and they manifest Jesus Christ. It'll freak you out. I pray that each and every one of you get a shot to go to Russia. Because there's nothing greater than standing in a huge congregation of people speaking Russian, you speaking English, singing what a mighty fortress is our God. There's a unity there and you just start crying realizing, whoa, I don't know what they're saying, but I do know the tune. I had a lady, I preached last spring, I had a lady, and you just go, I, you've heard it. I have sermons that I've preached, I think I can do this one again, all right? And so when I go to Russia, you have to preach your brains out. I mean, for me, I have to, you, you're going to preach here, you're going to read in Moscow, you're going to do that, you're going to hear morning, evening, afternoon, you're going to preach. The only time you're not preaching is when we're sticking these little hot dog things down your neck. All right, and that's just to fuel you up so you go preach again. I had a lady, I preached a Sunday morning sermon uh, just this last trip that I was on. I preached this, and this lady, two ladies come up. One just looked like she'd come over with Moses, and the other one was like a daughter or granddaughter or something. And they're weeping. And I'm thinking, ooh, I butchered that one. Because there's things you're supposed to, don't stick your hands in your pocket, black shoes, weird stuff like that. So, you know, I'm sitting there going, they must have caught me with my hand in my pocket or something. Um, all right, she comes up and she says, uh, it was a text out of Ephesians, she said, I had struggled for years trying to understand that text and God has just brought its clarity through you. Cool. Why? There's a unity there. It's an overwhelming unity. Remember, uh, many of you who have been with me for a while, I used to make the comment that doctrine divides and I've changed that. Doctrine unites. Now, I'm not talking about Baptist doctrine or this doctrine. I'm talking about if you are willing to bow before this book, you and I are going to be united. You and I are going to be united. Okay? And I believe we'll be united in all things, even that eschatology stuff, that end time stuff. And you, you may say, no, I want to go through the seven years of tribulation. I'll say, go ahead and start without me. I ain't going all right, and I, I have my reasons, you can have your reasons. Will you study scriptures? I, I'll study scriptures. And if you conclude after your study of the scriptures that you're going to go through it, go on. See you bye. I ain't going. I mean, there are just certain things that, nah, I don't need that. All right, so when I look at this kind of stuff, I think about that God has given a supernatural enabling for all of us to get along, unified. You know, we're only going to be as unified as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's it. I have seen it in the church in England. I was unified. I have seen it in the church in Russia. I was unified. And I've seen it with a bunch of Jewish believers in the land of Israel. I was unified. Okay? I've seen it here in America. Not as much. Not as much. Why? Because I believe the church in America is, is a mirror of the Corinthian church. I believe what was going on in the Corinthian society is America today. Basically, what was happening is that the, instead of the church influencing the culture, the culture had influenced the church. And everybody was just bringing it in and song and dance and happy, joy, joy thing going on. Okay? I mean, look, we put, I remember, it's been a number of years ago. It's been, oh, gee, 10 years ago or, or better. Okay? Uh, big church up in Denver, uh, Riverside Baptist Church, was having a guest speaker come in, a preacher Okay, Dr. John MacArthur was coming in to, to speak. Okay, 
<clears throat> we went up to see it. Me and my, at that time, I wasn't even a... No, that's been 14, 15 years ago. I wasn't a pastor then because I went up with my pastor. And I went up to see him. And I bet you there wasn't 100 people there. To hear possibly the greatest expositor, greatest explainer of scriptures that is alive today. Okay? And, I, you know, that was kind of cool. I liked it. You can ask questions and, hey, dude, I'm thinking, you know. And it was, all, it was good. Don't get me wrong. Right? But there was less than 100 of us there. And he was there for two days answering questions, preaching. Okay? The following weekend, this is going to date me. Okay? Does anybody remember Green Acres? Okay? Does anybody remember Ebb on Green Acres? Ebb comes in. Okay? He's a comedian. An actor who knows Jesus now. Do you know that they had to put overflow seating in three outbuildings with big screen TVs to hear Ebb? Houston, we got a problem. If we're looking for novelty, we should not be looking in the church. We should not be looking in the church. One of the greatest churches that have ever been on this planet and still exists on this planet is in, this, in the city of Thessalonica, Thessaloniki, Saloniki, depending on what they're calling it today, Lower Macedonia. Okay, never has the gospel not been in place in Thessalonica, and yet I don't know who the pastor, the first pastor of Thessalonica church was, but I do know this: the testimony of what God was doing there had been heard through all of Christendom, through the whole Greek peninsula, within. <clears throat> six months' time of the Apostle Paul preaching the gospel in that town. I have no idea who their elders is. I don't know what television or radio station that they're on. I don't know any of that stuff. And yet, if you take the two letters to the Thessalonians, you'll never find two more encouraging, powerful texts dealing with the body of Christ and how she should be than those two letters. Okay? Why? Because there's gifts. They're supernatural enabling. And when men and women get out of the way and allow God, then it's overwhelming. I've showed you that there are 11 gifts, five speaking, six serving. Pay attention to that, that truth. Five speaking, six serving. Okay, understand there is, is a blending. And I'm going to just get back into the gifts that strengthen because I want to deal with the six serving gifts. We have one, depending on your translation, it may be called administration. Okay, it literally means leadership. Okay, leaders. Okay, there's the gift of leadership. I want you to understand something about the gift of leadership. It is not necessarily the pastor or the elders that he's talking about. You can have the gift of leadership. We've, I've seen this manifest. We've got a women's retreat that's starting. It's coming, uh, I'm supposed to know when. Yeah, September. It's, it's, there's a women's leader, or leadership conference. No, a women's retreat or conference or what do we call it retreat uh-huh. yeah but retreat but but when you're retreating isn't that a bad thing in war i'm in war and i ain't retreating okay i may reorganize or i may reload but i ain't retreating okay anyway uh we need to work on that we got some good words out there and we don't need to have women retreating no more Okay, anyway, there's a group of women getting together and I see the gift of leadership directing how they want to approach this and it's being manifested in these ladies. These are not elderesses or pastorettes. 
These are women who want to get together to strengthen other women, and a couple of them have the gift of leading. Okay, because you also have to have the gift of serving, because you can have all the leaders in the world. If somebody isn't following with the leaders, you ain't got nothing. And there's the gift of serving. We looked at that, and that's, that's definitely what it means, slaves. Why? They look at it, they say, God's leading, let's get it done. I like that. You need that. Yes, if you are an elder in a church, you'd better have the gift of leadership. You better know where you're going. You better be set on that course. And remember, I used it, it used to describe when they tied the helmsman on a ship. They would tie his hands to the wheel. Okay? And then they all go downstairs and hide. And sometimes as a pastor, that's the way it feels. I'm tied to the ship, and where'd everybody go? All right, because there is the gift of service and they come along and they're the ones who tied the bottom of the ship together. I give you all these illustrations and they're, they're, they serve doing this. All right, but there's also the gift of mercy. That's the person who says, here's a need, boom, take care of it. They just take care of it. They don't go ask for permission. They bring no song and dance to them. They bring no fanfare. They said, this needs to be done. Boom, we're going to take care of it. Uh, I've seen this gift exercise. We have a door open for the orphanages in Russia. Okay, them kids ain't got nothing. I took them over a bunch of um, little tablets of paper like this and pencils. You'd have thought I was bringing a Mercedes. They were in awe. Whoa! Something to write with and something to write on besides the wall. Okay, so word got out how bad it is over there, and all of a sudden I got all these people wanting to make quilts. Quilt? I'm a man. I don't think about quilts. I mean, the first thing they talked to me about, we're going to make quilts. How in the world am I going to get them in my luggage? I already had weight problems the last time I was there. Not me, the luggage did. Okay? But what happens? People have the gift of mercy. They say, here's a need. Let's make them quilts. Cool. That's the gift of mercy. Gift of giving. Gift of giving does it without any other thoughts. Here's a need. Here's a financial need that is necessary. Boom. Here it is. I mean it. And it isn't a matter of, well, you know, I need to pay my house payment, my electric payment, and it isn't that. Nope. They just, it's meta. It's give, giving beyond the norm. It just, it's massive. It's overwhelming giving. Why? And it's, it's, it literally means not knowing what the right hand's doing. There's never an ulterior motive. Here's the need. I meet the need. I meet the need. It's, just, it's really cool to watch it work. All right? Then we looked last week at the gift of faith. Uh, some people call it the gift of prayer. These are the people who literally grab a hold of the promises of Jesus Christ and say, this is true. We will walk in this. I love those people. They are awesome. They literally, you can have one lift a whole church. Because they just look at the Word of God and say, yep, absolutely. That's His promise. I ain't worried about it. Okay? Uh, I believe that all pastors' wives have to have the gift of faith. Because they keep thinking, what a moron. But anyway, but they, Lord, you made him. You'll perfect in him. I know, Lord. Okay? The one I want to deal with now is discernment. Or distinguishing of spirits. There in the middle of verse 10, you see it. And another is the distinguishing of spirits. Discernment. Okay? Um, this uh, text stirs some controversy. And, and I, you know, yeah, so what? Uh, 
here's the controversy comes. It comes out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 8 through 13. Love never fails. If there's a gift of prophecy, they will be done away with. If there's tongues, they will cease. If there's knowledge, it will be done away with. If we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with the childish things. For now I see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, and now I know in part, but then I will know fully just as I have also been known fully. Now there's faith, hope, and love. And of these three, the greatest of these is love. All right, so you read that. And there's a multiple reasons that people grab that text and, and, and proclaim some stuff. But I'm going to leave it to you this direction for right now. I haven't gotten to chapter 13, so as far as I'm concerned, this gift exists. All right? And if... if, if uh, Chapter 13 concludes that all these gifts are gone. We'll erase these tapes. It's no problem. See there? Okay. Um, The problem that I have with the gift of discernment, I don't have a problem with the gift, but there are those who have a problem with the gift of discernment, is that in the past, discernment had miracles to it. Okay. Um, Amazing abilities um, to do it. the thing that I struggle with is that I believe that I have the gift of discernment, and I struggle with if, if it's gone, then why am I still here? <laughs> All right. The root word, diacrino, means to judge through something. Um, it's see through something, the truth that is there. There's a truth there, and you can look through the stuff and say, okay, where's the truth? It, it literally means to truly evaluate something. Um, I, I think about the Babylonian courts in the centuries past that if they had a high crime, a, a crime of murder, something to that effect, uh, that everybody would come into the, the judges' chambers and where they would have the trial, the tribunal, and the judges would sit there and then once everybody got into place, they shut out all the lights and it was pitch black. And all that could be given was the testimonies. So you, you had no visualization, you couldn't see people weeping, or you couldn't see people freaking out, or you didn't have a little video thing that you were playing. You heard the testimony, the lights were raised, the judges passed the ruling. Okay, so it was only when it was a serious crime like that, they would take this and um, they would evaluate it and they base it on evidence, not based on emotion or, or things like that. So there was, this is discerning of spirits. Evaluate the spirit. Evaluate the spirit. Now, is it God or not? Is it God or not? Okay. That's the issue. A lot of people believe the gift of discernment is gone because now we got the Bible and I can just take the Bible and say, all right, here's what the Bible says. This is what this guy's saying. Here's what the Bible says. This is what the good. That's not right. That can't be of God. Okay. Well, I believe it's a little more than that. All right, here, I'll show you. In the early church, it was clear how this gift would, could manifest itself. All right, it's very clear. Uh, basically, I look at it as the watchdogs of the church. Watchdogs of the church. In the early, early years, you've got to understand of the church, they didn't have a New Testament. They didn't know what, you know, they were, you know. I mean, it's like when, John, when, when Paul founded a church in Ephesus, he went and asked those group of John the Baptist disciples, have you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And they said, well, I don't even know what you're talking about. But we have gotten John's baptism. Okay. People could basically run around and say, God says, I'm a prophet, I speak for the Holy Spirit. 
And how did you test it? What text would you bring it to bear against? Do you see why, if you look at the book of Galatians, why Paul was so adamant that you don't fall back under legalism? Why? Well, if you were going to test something, you would hold it up to Scripture. And the only Scripture you had was the Old Testament. So why aren't you taking your sacrifices down to the temple? Well, Paul come through and said that there was one sacrifice once and for all. Jesus Christ, he died and was accepted by God in such a way that he was raised from the dead and ascended to the right hand. Well, that's not in here. Ah, you might be right. Okay, you're not supposed to covet. You're not supposed to. And, you know, those make sense. I mean, come on, let's be realistic about it. But you get a guy who knew the Ten Commandments, he could be you like a redheaded stepchild. And all you had was... But he's got the Bible. I've seen guys who preach on television carry the Bible around today, and I don't know why. Why you got that Bible? I've seen a guy who preached at the biggest church in Phoenix, Arizona, and he preached on the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon. But he carried the Bible in his hand, and I kept thinking, why, why, why are you carrying the Bible? I didn't understand that. Put the Bible down. I don't understand that. And yet... There are those who will say the gift of discernment is gone because we got the Bible. I believe that the gift of discernment is still alive and it is killing the church because nobody's using it. Nobody's using it. In the early church, it was a supernatural abilities and it was proven by miracles and powers so that they could say that what this person said was true or what this person said was untrue. It'd be part of the early church. It would be... Is the Spirit of God speaking here or a demon? Okay? Now, let me give you an illustration of it. It falls right out here in this text. Verse 3, Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed. Now, it would seem to me like that. Without the Bible, I could probably say that that person's not speaking in the Spirit of God. What do you think? Someone get up and say, oh, by the way, brothers and sisters, Jesus is accursed. You know what? Jesus is damned is what they're saying. Now, I'm thinking I don't even need the spiritual gift of discernment to say, I don't think that's God speaking. Right? I mean, does it? That just seems, I don't even need the New Testament. Nah, mm, 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 Paul is here and Paul hit you right in the nose. Okay, I, I think Paul uses that because he says, why hasn't someone said something? Say something. Or had there been people with the gift of discernment going, no, 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 and the rest of the church is ignoring them. Okay, because I have seen that. Some with the gift of discernment either needed to step up and shout or some with the gift of discernment should need to be listened to. Okay, uh, In chapter 14 of this text, in verse 29, he says this. <clears throat> chapter 14, verse 29. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others, what? Pass judgment is literally the word discernment. See through to the text. See the truth. Let the prophet speak. Yeah, okay, God's given some people. You understand the gift of prophet, right? 
Some of you don't. It means to speak forth. That's all it means. Stand up in front and speak forth. Right? It got nothing to do with time, seeing the future or the past or anything like that. It's just publicly proclaiming. All right? So anyway. So let those who speak, let the others judge it. Let the others discern it. Let's have somebody check on what's being said. Okay? It's an important gift. It protects the church. It protects the church. Um, probably one of the best illustrations that I found was uh, the apostles basically illustrate all the gifts. You can see all the gifts in the apostles, all right? whether it be John or Paul or Peter. All right? But in Acts chapter 16, um, beginning at verse 16, it's an interesting time. It happened that when they were going from place to place, a slave girl having the spirit of divination met us, who was bringing their masters much profit by fortune-telling. Following after Paul and us, she kept crying out, saying, These men are bond servants of the Most High God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. Now stop right there. This slave girl... What she was saying, was it true? Then how did they know that it was through the power of a demon? That's the gift of spirit. That's the gift of discernment. See how that bugger works? What that girl said was true. Right? But they knew that it was a demonic source. Remember that one demon? They were all going to... Um, <laughs> some guys claim to be disciples of Jesus Christ, trying to cast out the demon. The demon looked at him, said, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. I don't know you. And they run him off, beat him up pretty bad. Okay? So you know what that tells me, Right? The demons know who, who belongs to God and who doesn't. And they've got this demon-possessed girl running around saying, these men are bondservants of the Most High God, and what they say is the true way of salvation. Now listen, what that demon was proclaiming was absolute truth. But Paul, because of the spiritual gift of discernment, said that source is a demon. She continued doing this for many days. I think it just got on Paul's nerves. woman won't shut up. Paul was greatly annoyed. That's what it says. I'm just reading you the text. Greatly annoyed, he turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. came out that very moment. And the master saw that their hope for a prophet was gone. (laughs) Okay? Why? He knew that it was a demon. I mean, and I can give you all kinds of reasons why he had to deal with it. If he left, then that girl gets a following. Okay? And who would the people be following? Listen, the Antichrist, false teachers, don't say, come, let's worship Satan. You just don't get a big following. Okay? They will come and tell you to worship the Most High God, and we'll show you how. You know what? They'll quote scriptures. So how do I discern? Paul knew that it was not speaking by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Let me tell you something. If they're not speaking by the power of God, then they're only speaking by one other power. Okay, it's a demon. How did he know? Because the Spirit told him. He was given to him to discern and to know it. And yet, the girl spoke a truth. The gift in those days was to recognize the satanic counterfeits. Um, Some argue you don't need it. I can recognize it now. Look at the Bible. What are they saying? Um, I don't buy that. Okay? I know a guy who was one of these traveling speakers who I believe had the gift of discernment when he exercised it. There's times he did not exercise it. Um, and sometimes... Anyway, he was at a church, big church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and they were having a, a pastoral conference, and it was packed. I mean, people just piling into place, okay? And it was packed. And so they had all this daycare, and him and my friend were walking across the parking lot, and they run, met this guy, and he introduced himself, and he walked away, and the guy stopped Wayne and said, that guy's a child molester. And Wayne's like... He just works in our child care. He's not a child molester. He says, I'm telling you, there's something about that man that you don't want him around your children. Sure enough, convicted child molester had come into that church, been involved in that church for about a year and a half to two years, and now was involved in the nursery. He was slowly but surely making his way in. And this guy knew it. How do you know that? Okay. And I mean, he'd been involved in the church. It wasn't like one of these people just out there floating around. How do you know that? Now, see, that's an experience. I can tell you about that. I knew the guy. Manly Beasley was his name. He's, now he's in glory. And there was time when Manly Beasley was so sensitive to the Holy Spirit, you'd have thought he was the Holy Spirit. There was other times he didn't know where the Holy Spirit was and couldn't have found him with a map and, and a GPS satellite system. Okay? But when he was on, dude, he was on. Some argue that we don't need this gift anymore because I can recognize a counterfeit by Scripture and there's no need for the gift. I find that difficult because I can't find it anywhere in Scripture that says that the gift of discernment has stopped. I can't find it even implied that it has stopped. I can't find that. I am sorry. I've looked. So what I have to say this day is let the gift work. And when the person exercises it, pray that God gives you ears to hear. Let it be done and let it do what it needs to do in whatever period of time it's being used. Use it. I think today it's just as important to protect the church from impure doctrine. You know why I believe that? Chapter 12, verse 1 says, I do not want you to be unaware of spiritual gifts. Ask yourself a question. How are we doing on discernment? We're not. We don't discern. Well, it's got to be a, a gift of tongues. Why? I heard it. Who interpreted it? Nobody. Then there isn't the gift of tongues. I had that in Russia. guy asked me while I was teaching two years ago on the person of the Holy Spirit. And he says, well, we have people in the gifts of tongues. And I said, and? and? He says, well, it says, do not forbid in speaking in tongues. Okay. He says, so you believe in gift of tongues? Well, the Bible teaches it. He says, but... I, 
He says, but what happens when these people speak in it? I said, then give us an interpreter. And he says, well, what if they don't have anybody to interpret it? Shut up. It ain't that complicated. It ain't that complicated. And I'll deal with more on the gift of tongues. Okay? I can't find where these gifts are gone, but I do know that what is being touted as a spiritual gift of miracles and powers and tongues is not biblical. It's not biblical. Not according to the book. That's just the way I look at it. I don't need a prayer language. When the disciples said, Jesus, teach us to pray, what did he say? No. Pray in this manner. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Okay, so it gives you, a, what do you call it, an outline. Well, I hate outlines. But anyway, he gave us one. Pray this way. Not in some ecstatic babble. Why? Those people who do that, who are they bringing the focus to? Self. And who do they strengthen? And we don't have to be deep theologians to understand that the gifts are not for self. The gifts are for us. And if you're over there in the corner babbling something, you're not helping me at all. I don't care if you are praying for me in Mongolian. I don't care. It won't help me. Why? Because when the prayer is answered, I'll never know it. So you see what I'm trying to get at? The gift of discernment says, well, that ain't right. And yes, in this day and age, I do have the scriptures. But I've got to be honest with you. There are people that I've been around that I'm just uncomfortable, uncomfortable with. And I don't know why it's that way. You know, some people say, well, Terry, is your, what, the background you came from. And you know what? Whatever. Whatever. But I do know this. Ask yourself a simple question. Would God protect the bride of Christ? How would he do it? However he wants. <laughs> I mean, you know. I, perhaps the style of operation is different. Okay, not necessarily miracles and casting out demons. In church history, there was a thing called Montanism. And Montanism basically, there's a lot of stuff. Some guy, Maximilian Monta. Uh, anyway, Montanism claimed that to be the only voice of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Uh, this was in the early. This is before the canonization of Scripture. But anyway, these, these, this group came together. Listen, you think that sounds silly today, but I know groups who claim the same thing today, that fit the criteria of conservative evangelicals. But they believe that they're the only ones getting to speak for the Holy Spirit. Here's what a historic historian said about Montanism: the whole Montanistic movement. This is a quote: was rejected because of the exercise of the gift of discernment on the part of a few people. They realized the chief spokesman, Maximilian, was speaking with the Spirit other than that of the Holy Spirit. And because of this recognition, they denied the credibility of the whole Montanistic movement and was written off as a heresy, unquote. Now, this was uh, be right around the first century, uh, mid-first century, like 150 B.C., A.C., A.D., whatever, you know what I'm trying to say, okay? Um, and they wrote it off. Why? Because a few people came up and said that the spirit that man is speaking in is not the spirit of God. Okay? I thank you, Lord, that you protected your church. Now, I don't walk around saying, I'm thinking there's an evil spirit in that person. Uh, usually, I just look at it from the basis of Scripture. It's really, if you really think about it, it's easy to spot somebody who's in the flesh, isn't it? They look like the world. All right? 
So, you know, I here's kind of the way my silly brain works. I look at discernment is, is the gift on gifts. Is that a gift of God? And it's like any of the other gifts. Exercise it. A.T. Robinson wrote it this way. It is given to tell whether the gifts are really of the Holy Spirit or just natural or just evil. Unquote. Is the gift natural or is it supernatural or is it evil? Okay, and I see, listen, when I see people teaching their kids, and I know of this situation, we took the youth, not the youth group, it would have been the little schoolers, not the, what's the middle schoolers? Not junior high, what's below that? Elementary, there you go. They were taking the elementary classes and teaching them how to speak in tongues, and on Mother Days presented all these kids that they could all speak in tongues, and look, Mom, okay, at best, that is natural. At best, I taught you how to gibber. At best, it's just natural. It's just the flesh. At worst, it's demonic. Okay, the gift. Now, this group of people, this church, definitely was not exercising the gift of discernment. Okay, because tongues hasn't been given to everybody. You see, the Apostle Peter exercised this gift in Acts chapter 5. Ananias and Sapphira come in, remember? And what they come doing what? Worship, no, worshiping God. Everybody is gathered and they're what? Worshiping God. And Peter breaks into the worship and says, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Now, how did Peter know that? How do you know that? Well, Jesus, I just seen Satan walk in and fill them up. Gift of discernment. Gift of discernment. I mean, he asked, how much did you sell the property? Is this for what you sold the property for? The issue wasn't holding back some of the money from the sale of the property. The issue was, why are you lying to the Holy Spirit? That was the issue. It's identifying truth from error. It's identifying hypocrisy from genuine. It is that when I talked a couple of weeks ago about the walking in the Spirit, being Spirit-filled. See, false prophets speak forth what? Error. But you know what a lot of it is? Truth. Listen, I'm going to name a name. I'll probably get in trouble. Kenneth Copeland. Wonderful person. Uh, Hope he gets saved. I remember one time when I preached out of First Peter, and I don't remember the te- yeah I do the text where he went down and set captivities three and for three days he was in here. And if you would, I went home one evening and I went into my house and I turned it on and there he was and I was listening to him because he was teaching the same text I had taught. And you know what? I listened to him for twenty minutes and you'd have thought one of us had stole the other one's notes. It was right on. And then it took a hard 
And it missed completely telling me that Satan had been down tormenting Jesus Christ for three days while he was in the ground and all the rest of it. I got news for you. Satan don't run hell. God does. And right now, Satan ain't there. He's running around here. I know. I run into him. No, just kidding. I, I hope I've never run into him. All right, but if you'd have heard him, he was right on until he came to that position, and then it was just... I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I was like, how can you be that close and yet get that far away? Okay. Now, that wasn't the gift of discernment. That was a person who had just preached that text and said, no, dude, you missed it. All right. But there are some who are gifted by God who are there to unmask the false. I see them. You, I, I believe that the, the manifestation of the gifts you see some are some of these guys who write books on cults. Uh, Walter Martin, some of you, he was the founder of Bible Answer Man. I believe he had the gift of discernment. I believe he could look at it and say, no, that ain't right. And if you read a lot of his books, The Maze of Mormonism, How to Deal with the Occult, and all these other things, you see that he had a passion for this stuff and how the blending of words and the meanings of words was part of it. So it's a capacity to see through something and to see at the core of the hypocrisy. Okay, The gift can be shared in many ways. can be used to reveal demonization. can be used to reveal false prophets, false teacher, what I call spiritual phonies. They're just phonies. It spots the spiritual phony. There's something wrong with that person's life. And it's used for the protection of the body. The body of Christ. It's used to guard us. I see it. I see it need to be used because there's an invasion going on. There's carnal elements in the worship time of the church these days. And the gift of discernment spots the carnality of that false worship. I remember a guy one time, and I'm going to just, this is humility, but the guy was basically preaching in his flesh, and his shirt tail had stuck out of his zipper. And I have no idea what he preached on, but I do know his shirt tail was stuck out of his zipper. But he had shown an arrogance, and that shows a hypocrisy. And he had a whole, I don't know, 250, 300 pastors standing there going, you know, and I'm just trying to tell my wife, can we leave? We need to leave. Can I crawl out of here? They don't think I'm a heretic, will they? Why? But he, there was something phony about the guy. And a lot of things have happened to him since then, but it happens. Okay? There are carnal elements that are in sanctification now. We're trying to make people holy by man's effort. I taught on that this morning in our Sunday school class. Impossible. Can't do it. I can give you all the do's and don'ts and, I, and watch you walk out of here one tormented individual. You can't do it. It's impossible. It's divinely empowered. Okay? See people who are ministering in the flesh. You can spot it. Serving in the flesh. Serving in the flesh. Someone who can read that loud and clear, just like that. It's a gift of discernment. When two Christians are at odds with each other, okay, they're, remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 5, they were suing each other, taking themselves to court. The person with the gift of discernment can spot that and help resolve it. Uh, here's why I believe I have the gift of discernment. A few years been a year ago, I guess it was, uh, a church down in Colorado Springs having elder problems. Uh, one elder had accused another elder of paying a bribe. Uh, it had to do with going to Russia. And basically, he did pay a bribe, but 
That's the only way he's going to get the stuff in. I mean, basically, anyway, that's, that's here nor there. Anyway, he says, you need to resign. And so you could see, I was talking to the pastor, and you could see the, the sides forming. This elder's right, this elder's wrong, this elder's right, this elder's wrong. And, and they asked me to come talk. Come talk to the two suits, two groups of people. There's two groups that were basically drawing a line of factions. So I went down and talked to them, heard their concerns and all the rest of it. And, and I began to pray about it. What do you want me to do? And then I just blew it off because I didn't really want to get involved with it. I said, you guys aren't Baptists, but you're sure acting Baptist. Um, but anyway, we, we, we sat and dealt with it. And then they called me back and they said, let's, let's sit and talk. I've got the elder board together and uh, the pastors. And we're all going to get together and we'll discuss it. So we discussed it and they asked me what I thought. I mean, it was a long discussion, but then they asked me, what do you think? I said, I think both of you ought to resign. Why? Because if you both resign, there's no winner. And you don't have to worry about a division in the group saying, well, our past, our elder was right and your elder was wrong. And you're spiritually deceived and you're spiritually this. I said, both of you step down. Why? For the sake of the unity of the body of Christ. You know what they did? Step down. Both groups, both elders had good valid points, but there was disunity and that is the key. Stop it. Let's fix it. Both of you step down. Okay. And they did. And there's absolute harmony. Nobody walked away saying, my elders right. My Nope. Wasn't there. That's good stuff, people. But you know what? I believe that that was the gift of discernment. I have no reason to believe that this is gone. I believe it's probably changed. And I've also seen people exercise a semblance of it in the flesh. Um, and it's easy for that person to become critical. It's easy for that person to become proud. And it's easy for that person to become condemning. Why? Because they probably are going to have the gift of knowledge and wisdom, which means they know their way around the Bible pretty good. And knowledge puffs up. And they all want to run around and just beat up everybody. That ain't right. That ain't right. That ain't right. That ain't right. I don't, I don't believe it. And you know what? They ain't no experts. They become judgmental. When I see people who are judgmental, it's a good possibility that they're, well, I know for a fact that they're walking in the flesh. That's emphatic. There's a good possibility that they are shunning the gift of the Holy Spirit in discernment. It's still an important gift. Okay? So that's the gift of discernment. Watchdog for the church. It's the gift over gifts. Six categories. Leadership, supervise the saints. Serving, supporting the leaders. Giving, supplying the needy. Mercy, sympathy for the sick, poor, and hurting. Faith, securing God's power. Discernment, saving the saints from counterfeits. Okay? All these sum up with the speaking gifts to make the church mature in Christ Jesus. Eleven primary colors. The Spirit paints the portrait of Christ on the canvas of the church. And there is nothing more elegant or more beautiful than when He's doing that. And what's really cool is when He's doing that, none of us take credit for it and we can't go out and write a book on how to do it. Our desires must be to reveal Christ. That should, be our, that should be the overwhelming passion of every breath you get. And only that really works when you are faithful to the minister in the area that God has given you. 
you're not in that and you're not doing it, you'll never do it. You're never going to reveal Christ, whether it's speaking gifts or serving gifts. You can't do it. It's impossible. Christ gives us a part in his ministry. Did you know that? Yeah, here's a part. I pray God helps us to be faithful. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for gifts. Thank you for your spirit and your people drawing us in immeasurable ways that I can't even grab. Painting this beautiful, eloquent masterpiece, Christ incarnate. Christ walking among us on a canvas that you have prepared. Father, by colors that you have prepared. Father, by the power that you give us, you impart to us. Father, may we who have gathered, may we exercise that gift. May we draw upon the power resource that only spoke existence into being. Father, may we decrease, may you increase. But Father, as we prepare in these weeks to come to look at your spirit, Father, may we walk in your spirit, filled with your spirit. Father, may we never grieve your spirit. May we never quench your spirit. Father, let not our flesh master us, but Father, may your spirit overwhelm us in a way that a flesh has no recourse but to die. Father, let us walk in the power and the majesty of he who redeemed us, and that it be not us who is seen, but of Christ and Christ only. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege. Thank you, Lord, for the power. Thank you, Lord, for the pathway that is set before each of us. To your glory. Amen.